0: Welcome to another episode of the News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney, and this is a little bit of a emergency-ish podcast, uh, kind of straying from our off-season formula. But we have to talk about the Jaguars' new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, had that first introductory press conference, yep. kind of our first taste of what... Ryan Nielsen will be like this season for the Jaguars.
1: Yeah, and good to hear. I mean, it's been kind of radio silent since he was hired. Um, People kind of guessing. You're scrounging. You're talking to former players of his who played for him, trying to get a vibe on what he would bring to that team. And I really think Ryan painted a good picture today at the the press conference on A, what his defense was going to look like. Would things change radically? What kind of personnel uh, he expects to have? And I think it really— uh, it helped not only fans to kind of get a little bit of whew, exhale a little bit on Ryan Nielsen, but what he's going to bring to the team. Where's some of where's Trayvon Walker lineup? What do expects from Josh Allen? Will Josh be back? Are we going to see exclusively zone? Are we going to see more man coverages like he ran in Atlanta? So what are we going to see? And I think he helped answer those questions and to me, I think Ryan Nielsen reminds me a lot of watching the movie Tombstone. He reminds <laughs> me of an old school throwback kind of guy. He played defensive line at University of Southern California. Right. He's a big boy. I didn't realize you told me how big he he's was. Big was. He's a big guy. He's like it's 6'5", like,
0: five, probably like 285, something like that. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's
1: a, he's a big guy, so he reminded <laughs> me of like watching a Wyatt Earp, uh, a Tombstone throwback movie from the it's 90s. It's yeah, It is. It it's is the that thick mustache and man, it just reminded me of, of, of Going to the movie theater and watching a Tombstone or something with Sam Elliott in it—that mustache is uh, is on point.
0: Look, hey, if, if the stash can bring Ooh. some of the the style and swag of some of those old school yeah. uh, NFL defenses from that time period, you know what? We definitely take that. <laughs> bring it back. Bring <laughs> we, it back. But uh, so let's start and kind of go through some of the, I guess, the hit points from his press conference. One of the big ones, uh, at least for me, and we already kind of knew this from him, but he said it. So I just want to kind of. Take a minute to talk about it. attack and aggressive. Those are the was one of the first questions he was asked was his style of defense. He said everything they do, they want to be attack and aggressive with it. And I think that's big. Um, we have saw the Jaguars defense under Mike Caldwell a little bit different, mm-hmm. not as aggressive is probably not right. the word I would have used to describe how that defense was. Uh, But this defense, very different. They're going to show some of those looks, do some of those things that we didn't see Mike Caldwell doing. But you see some of those other defenses around the league doing, taking advantage of to impact offenses. And that's got to be music to your ears, especially when you maybe think back to that last game of the season against the Titans. And you saw some guys maybe loafing just a little bit instead of going and getting into the Mm -hmm. pile and hitting Derrick Henry.
1: Yeah, and I think if you look at even going back to when Jalen Ramsey was here, you know, Jalen's an elite corner. He wanted to play more man, and that's what your dogs, your alphas want to do. They want to lock up with those number 1 receivers. They want to play that. They don't like playing that zone where you're almost seeding a little bit of the yardage and not giving up that big play. And, you know, Ryan Nielsen said, hey, we we don't want to give up. We want to get in there. We want to— Prevent those big plays. I can't remember the exact line he used today. It was kind of catchy. Um, But he talked about getting in there, not giving up that big, long play. We want to shut down. We want to be physical. We want to run. We want to send guys, be a a point of attack. We want to knock the guys down at the line of scrimmage. Just the the kind of lingo he used today was really, to me, kind of like this guy is going to bring an aggressive, physical defense to Jacksonville. And that's something that's not been here. Even in Mike Caldwell's good season, in twenty twenty-two, right, you just did not have that. You felt kind of like, eh, hey, these guys are okay. Right. You know, that the Chiefs divisional game in 2022 where you had a gimpy Patrick Mahomes, you couldn't get him down. I think a Ryan Nielsen defense would have just feasted on a Patrick Mahomes at that stage, where you're sending that point of attack, send a guys there, you, you tell they want to be violent, fast, play to that football and not sit back and let things come to him, and I like to see that.
0: Yeah, and look, this defense is going to be very different. There's going to be a lot of simulated pressures, showing things that maybe aren't there. Uh, you mentioned some of the, the coverage things that he talked about with wanting to show a lot of man coverage, mm-hmm. even if they're not doing it, or pressing and bail and different techniques like that. But pushing those corners up to challenge those receivers at the line of scrimmage, that's music to right. a lot of DB's ears. Th- they want to hear that. They want to hear what that. what they want to hear. Because that, that's the type of thing that those guys want to do right. because – Unless you know you can't hang there, yeah. that's something that they're interested <laughs> yeah. in doing. That's where they want what, to be. what
1: NFL player is going to say, hey, I don't think I can shut this guy down. They want know, that. No, the Jay-
0: Jaguars have had some corners in the past. Oh, yeah. Uh, but no. hey, go
1: back to Jalen Ramsey. He hated yeah. playing that zone. He wanted, you know, in that Patriots AFC Championship game. Right. He, he was pissed that they were sitting back in zone and, and letting Tom Brady feast. And Good players, every NFL player thinks mm-hmm. they're a good player. They want that. One on one, they want that invitation. They want to shut the other guy down, right? And I, I thought it was good though too that Ryan, say he, he almost non-committal in a sense on you know Trayvon's gonna play here or are we gonna play the the you're gonna ask me about the secondary what we're gonna do there and I thought he was good in the sense that he's not committing to one. Thing. Yeah. Like, in Atlanta, you know, a lot of his defensive coverage were based on that man defense. And sure. For, for people who don't know what the man is, the zone is, the man is. The man, you're basically man on man. You're one-on-one. On one, you're 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 going one-on-one on one against that guy. You yeah. want to show what you can do, Mono a mano, square him up. That's what you like. Zone, you're playing a slice of the field. You're playing a, a, a radius of the field where, hey, you're, Tyson Campbell goes up here and he's covering, covering 12 yards, and maybe that's where his complete zone ends at this 12-yard range mm-hmm. instead of being able to follow that receiver back and shut him down and play that really tight press defense that a lot of these corners want to play. So I think Ryan said, "Hey, not solely scheme, we're going to strength, we're going to play to our player's strengths. We're going to let our players' talent and strengths dictate what we do and he wants to set those players up for success." and not commit to that certain style, which I think a lot of where well, there were a lot of questions when he was hired. What is Jacksonville going to do?
0: Look, and I think that's part of the thing about being a coach. And I love coaches that at least say that now I need to see him do it in practice here. But the scheme has to fit the players. Yeah, exactly. you got you got 11 guys who are the best 11 that you can put on the field at any one time. I don't, I get tired of hearing these coaches that have these philosophies yep. that are like written in stone. Well, this is what we're going to do, and I'm going to run this style of defense. Well, if you don't have 11 guys that can do that, exactly. it doesn't really matter. Exactly. So you have to take the 11 players you got, figure out where you can put them to get the best out of them. If ultimately they decide, oh, well, we need a five technique or a three technique, and Trayvon's the best we got there, then. We have that conversation. Then you put him there and you figure out who your outside guy yep. is, whether that's Seer or Kayla Vaughn or somebody they bring in. Yep. Great. If you decide, if he gets here and decides and looks at K or Trayvon and how he plays and says, look, Trayvon's great as an outside linebacker, but he would be elite as this five tech. Right. Great. Put him there. And then now you've got a blue chip prospect at a, at a spot. If he decides that, look, Trayvon's, an outside linebacker, and we think that's his best spot, then leave him there too. But ultimately, I am so glad that he said that because people talk about these scheme versatilities and and players are good here, and that's great. And you can – typically, it's very rare that a team goes into training camp or goes into the season and they're like, I got 11 guys, right. and I feel great about all of them. You probably don't. You probably never do. So to say, I want to run this scheme, You can, unless you're the Steelers – or the Ravens, who have been basically running a very similar scheme for more than a decade and you've just been drafting for that same and scheme. Drafting well? Drafting for that well scheme. for that same yes. scheme is very rare. Like especially a first time defensive coordinator that he's gonna walk in the door and have, no matter what he wants to play, mm-hmm. eleven guys that perfectly fit his scheme. That was one of the things that I kept trying to get out of Mike was okay, how close is this to a defense you like you want? Because the, the Jaguars defense never really looked like the Todd Bowles defense mm-hmm. that he runs in right. Tampa. And I was always trying to dig and figure out, is it because you don't feel like you have the personnel to run it that way? Or is this just the way he viewed defense? Not that our problem anymore, not the Jaguars problem anymore, right. but that is always the interesting thing is sometimes, even this goes back to some of the things we saw from the Jaguars last season. Uh, sometimes it's simple. Look, you might want the team to do one thing, and the coach might want to do that exact same thing, but if they don't feel like they have the personnel to pull it off, they're not going to call it. That's one of those things like fourth and one. Everybody's like, just run a quarterback sneak. Run up the middle. If they didn't trust those guys up the middle, that probably explains to you why they were running outside, and it can be the same thing for defense. If Ryan Nilsson gets into training camp, no matter what additions they make, and he decides, I don't feel like we have corners that can hold up in man-to-man mm-hmm. coverage, guess what he's not going to do? Call yeah. man-to-man coverage right. every down. Right. Like it, you just have to adjust. And smart coaches tend to adjust. Now, the job of the front office is to get that coach all of the players that he right. needs to run the scheme that they hired him to run.
1: Yeah, and I think when you look back at Jacksonville defenses in the last 15 years and you look at defenses that were Todd Wash defenses or Gus yep. Bradley defenses where you're trying to almost mash down this scheme without the players or players playing out of position and just wrong defenses, and that's why the, the skiing conversation was so important today. You know, A lot of coordinators will come in to a system and say, hey, I'm running a 3-4. I've got you know the, the four-three defense doesn't work, so I'm going to have to reconfigure things. How? I think that's wrong. I think you end up getting rid of players that could actually play for your team sure. and make an impact for offer the scheme system that again you're trying to fit the proverbial square peg and a round hole in a lot of these situations with guys coming in and trying to change up schemes and and just things that just do not work. So I like hearing Ryan Nielsen say. We're going to play to our players' strengths, yep. and a lot of that is going to kind of morph. I mean, what we do and our the things we do may not, you know, I, I think it was Trayvon was— it was asked about Trayvon, play 10 to 12 snaps on the—with your hand Small in the dirt kind of thing. Small size. You yeah, can, you're not, yeah, you're not doing that, and I think when you get into OTAs, Ryan Nielsen talked about, we're going to see what Trayvon does well, and they're going to make right. a decision on where he's going to play. Instead of saying, hey, we draft this guy as an edge, sure. we're going to make him an edge. And— You know Trayvon's a natural position in the NFL. Yeah. Maybe with his hand in the dirt. I I I mean personally, I think he's going to be a menace with his hand in the dirt if he can if he can master that position. And I think that's Trayvon's. You imagine Trayvon on a line, year four, year three, developing into that natural hand in the dirt kind of defender. Maybe that's where it is. Maybe that's where he is.
0: We'll see what happens. Look, I don't and I don't have a problem. Like if Ryan rolls into those meetings with the coaches and says, "This is the scheme." that I want to run. We don't have the players to do that right now. So I'm going to alter it a little bit, but we over, uh, over a course of a year or two, we need to be trying to get these types of players at these types. Every coordinator, every coach has, I guess what they would say, I, I'm trying to th- arch mm-hmm. for different positions, guys they like, got the type of player that they need for their scheme. And he has to figure out, all right, we have free agency in the draft these are the the key kind of pieces that were missing for my individual scheme and what we're going to get this off season great next off season we need to try and get the rest of them Because you're never going to have a perfect world. Now, the Jaguars do have some talent on defense. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I like Foye Oluokun. I think he should fit well in this defense. I mean, Foye is a tackling machine. He should fit well into any defense at this point. Um, I think Tyson's going to be healthy again, and he should be able to be fine. I think there's some questions about uh, Darius Williams and and his fit, but he played – some press man in L.A. before yep. he came here. So we'll see just where that happens. He's also one that has a contract situation, so he may or may not be with the team. Um, look, there's some a few other pieces. He, he's at least walking in and inheriting a team that has a pair of pass rushers. Even if Josh Allen's on the franchise tag, which he's going to be, um, you got Josh on one side you got Trayvon on the other side. Josh will be incentivized again to go have a big season to mm-hmm. get his money. And Trayvon is coming into his own, coming off his first double-digit sack season of his career. So, there's pieces there. Like, do you feel great about maybe some of the interior off or defensive linemen? Not really. Yeah. Uh, Do you feel great about where Devin Lloyd is right now? I mean, you feel better right now than you maybe did going into last season. But, I mean, you don't feel like he's on the cusp of becoming an all-pro. At least I don't. Um, We'll see. Andre Sisco was banged up last season. So... Year year three, near four for him. Year four for him. So we'll see what happens there. Questions about if Rayshawn's back. You got to feel good about where Antonio Johnson's at going into his second year. So now the question is does he go and try and play in that slot? I don't think he's a man to man slot guy. But does he slide into a role, or is there more three safety looks? How does that look on that defense? But there are some pieces there. So, but there are also some pieces that they have to go get. Right. And I don't, I don't think there's big question marks on what those are. So now they just have to go take care of business. Yeah. And
1: and I look at the scheme system. and I'm, I'm going to use a basketball term, throwing back to sure. uh, basketball fans back in the '90s. Paul Westfall. Coach, remember? I don't know if you remember him. I do not before, remember. Maybe Paul before Westfield. your time, but he was a guy that liked to run it and gun it, and he okay. said, "I want to be the first NBA team. I think he coached the Nuggets at, at some point. I want to be the first NBA team to score 200 points in a game. I'm going to score. We want to score. We want to shoot the ball every 10 seconds. We want to shoot the ball fast. So he was he was drafting guys that were you know gunners. He wanted to get up and down the court, throw it up." Oh well, you got to be able to play defense. Yeah, you're scoring 150 points, but you're giving up 165. So you know, again, your 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 scheme is only as important as the players you have in your system to run that scheme. So right. you know, Paul Westfall team, yeah, you could score points, but you couldn't play a lick of defense. So yeah, you're scoring 130, 140, 150 a game, but you're yeah. giving up 140, 150, 160 a game, which is crazy to think. So I I I, I look at today's press conference and I say Ryan Nielsen. Hit the nail on the head with it because he said a lot of things. I think players heard that as well today, and okay, that's good. Instead of trying to make the players into what he, you know, into fitting a traditional three-four-four-three man's type of scheme, I think he's going to say, "Tyson, you're going to do, you're going to play exactly what you do best." Darius, you're going to play exactly what you do best, and he's going to adjust. and I think that's why we could see a lot of hybrid defenses, and you know, what it. What was the stat on how many percentage of his defenses in Atlanta
0: overall ran were man coverage? He man the 60? most in the NFL. Yeah, so. It was, I mean, the, it was the most in the No one else ran nearly as many man coverage reps, according to NFL Next Gen Stats, as the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. So, whatever Trent Bulky tells you, he yeah. said in that in that press conference, look, Trent might know a little bit, and Ryan alluded to it, that even their zone looks look like that press right. man look. But according to NFL Next Gen Stats. The Falcons ran the most the most man coverage in the NFL last season and it Which, wasn't close
1: that, and that's crazy to me okay and <laughs> the Falcons weren't a great defense but they they had a lot of recycled parts they had veterans there and they actually got some stuff done and I think Jacksonville had a more talented defense has a more talented defense sure. than Atlanta um, especially when you figure Josh Allen will be back, according to Trent Baalke. Um, and I think they have more pieces than Atlanta did. So I do think we could see similar numbers to what the Falcons did. I don't think we will see this time next year. I don't think we're going to say, man, Jackson ran the most man defense in the NFL. I don't think, we'll, I don't think we'll be there.
0: We might, we'll see. We'll see how, how it shakes out. There's one other thing I want to hit on. And then we'll, let's actually talk a little bit more about that Falcons defense. Um, I want to hit on one thing that I, I think it was a review from players already going into this. Um, I remember Cam Jordan Demario Davis talking about how phenomenal Ryan Nielsen is as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that today, and he mentioned that about his staff. He couldn't announce the staff, said so the announcement of his defensive staff is coming right around the corner. But he said, we've got some phenomenal men. We've got some phenomenal teachers. And he talked about the importance of being a teacher mm-hmm. to teach fundamentals, to teach the scheme, which is big, like – We've talked a lot about the the Jaguars previous defensive staff. One thing we never described them as is teachers. Yeah. Um, and I never heard them describe themselves as teachers. Well, I think you look uh, at Mike Caldwell, he was
1: still learning. Right. You know, so it, and, it, but you, you, you mentioned teaching. I mean, Doug Peterson has said that exact phrase yep. in multiple press conferences throughout last season where he's, we've got to teach. We've got to leave. We want to listen and hear what the guys are telling us yep. so we can get back and do it. And I think with the defensive staff, with a Mike Caldwell situation last year, Mike just did not have that "quote unquote" teaching kind of experience. He was a first year, first time defensive coordinator, um, so I do think that it was a little new, and I think Mike was was still learning on the fly. And I don't know if he was the best uh, in a in a sense of a Ryan Nielsen, Doug Peterson, teacher type of personality. I think Mike was still learning the system <laughs> as he went. Um, and yeah, he, sure. he you know you come from that Cover Two, that Tampa Two kind of defense you didn't see a lot of that in jacksonville you didn't see a lot of that and i do think that was because mike was so a little green as a as a dc and i i don't think we're in that same situation with ryan nielsen Jacksonville.
0: ryan runs a more in vogue the more in vogue defense in the nfl right now there's going to be shell coverage over the top to prevent those big plays Mm -hmm. so your safeties are going to hang out deeper he likes to have the corners up and press Uh, whether it's press bail, press man, going into zone, whatever it is. But he wants them to take away those short routes, challenge the receivers at the line of scrimmage. So that's going to be important as we talk about options for the offseason. But he also likes to simulate some pressure. So even if they're going to send four, it might look like they're sending the house. Mm -hmm. Um, He wants to look like he's sending from one side and then just send one guy from the backside and bail out. So that way the quarterbacks have all these mind games that they have to go through Mm pre-snap. And the Jaguars' defense last year, while they did – deploy some exotic looks at times to get to get guys on some one-on-one looks they didn't do a whole lot of things that really challenged quarterbacks Mm -hmm. mentally and all of the guys that were connected to the jaguars jobs were coordinators that did things on their defense that simulated these pressures that challenged these quarterbacks mentally that were going to make these teams at least pause pre-snap and say Am I in the right play for the look that this defense is about to deploy? So um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how all the pieces come together. I do think he has a, at least a few tools to work with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm in agreement. I, you know, I know people always like to say, winning the press conference. How do you think? Do you think he won the day, won the press well. conference? <laughs> I, I think, and I mean, anybody can say they won the press conference, but yeah. I, I do think I came out of this and I, I think fans probably did as well, came out of this feeling like, okay, this guy is going to do some stuff. And sure. I, I think it goes back to playing to your strengths. I think it comes back to being the teacher you alluded to mm-hmm. and being a guy that, that's why I think Doug Peterson is well-liked and respected uh, in Jacksonville, like he was in Philadelphia. I think he's a teacher. I think he's a you know player's coach, maybe two strong words that, that almost uh, suggests that you're not as rigid or tough
0: be, you know, when you need to be. But he's a former player, so yeah. he is a little bit of, because he understands what yeah. they've been I, I think,
1: I think Doug Peterson is a guy who, well, listen, I don't think he's the the gruff, terse guy who's going to blow yeah. something off. You know, he talked about in the last availability Boat we had with him about exit interviews and really kind of trying to dive into where these players were at and trying to digest yeah. from them what, They took out of the season. What changes need to be made and stuff? Mm -hmm. So I think Ryan Nielsen, in a sense, too, he's still somewhat of a younger guy. He's a former player. You know, he's been around the the gamut of colleges and NFL – and and I think he understands that, and I think you do get a little bit more of that teaching, listening, mm-hmm. um, believing, and giving your players ownership in a, in a situation yep. um, than maybe has been in, in Jacksonville on that defensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, look, I like Ryan Nielsen. He was one of the first guys that I listed off as an option that he I was. Said, this was this is the guy that yeah. I think the Jaguars needed. But here's the one thing that I want to caution everybody with. The introductory press conference, every coach wins that. Everybody wins. It, it is, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen a, a, a fan base or, or a journalist or anybody walk away from the introductory press conference and be like, this guy completely changed my opinion. He's not the guy anymore. It's the introductory press conference. Let's at least wait until the players get out on the yep. field before we start making any referendums about the guy. All right, I got two things I want to cover before we wrap this thing up. First, let's talk about the uh, – the, the, the how he found out about the job. So yes. Trent Bulkey had kind of given us a little bit of it. Uh, so he was at Disney with the family. He's at Disney with the family, finds out he's in the line for It's a Small World, and he finds out he can interview for the Jaguars job. <laughs> he said it felt like that, that ride, he had actually just sat down in the boat, felt like the ride lasted 30 minutes. And all I can think of is, you were listening to "It's a Small World" for thirty minutes. That would be absolutely miserable. Yeah. You want to listen?
1: He had a great quote on that. You want to? You want to listen to that real quick? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's loop in that quote. It's he takes you through, it and it's it's pretty awesome. I've got our kids and my wife's on the other end, and we just sat down on the boat and got a text from Coach Peterson, basically said, "Hey, Ryan is coach, and would like to talk to you." You know that type of deal. And I looked at my wife, and I'm like, "How long is this gonna be?" Like. Uh, got to make a call right and so you don't realize I, I was on i can't remember last time i was on a small world but it seemed about a half an hour of that ride and eventually got off and it worked out but yeah so that's how it all and then
0: um we were down there and it was really easy came up for the interview and kind of went from there so um yeah it was pretty pretty interesting how it all worked out Look, I think that's great. He was right that's up the road, so it was like it's perfect. All right, just drive on up, or we'll, the Jaguars could have drove down and met him. Whatever.
1: Oh, you got to go to therapy, though. You're in. It's a small it's more world a for 30 minutes. I mean, I've been there at Disney World with young kids, and man, alive, it's a small world after all. And repeat <laughs> in your head. I may go home and listen to that tonight, just from, I don't from that. Be- Poor Ryan Nielsen. I mean, you imagine. You know, a huge job interview. You get a text from Doug Peterson about, hey, we want to talk to you. After your first interview was blocked by the Falcons. Right. So you're, you're, you're denied at that point. So you get this text from Doug Peterson. You know, thing parts are already stressful enough, Jamal. I mean, yeah. you've been there before. I mean, yeah, they're already stressful enough. And you get this life-changing text. And you got to wait for 30 minutes 30 to minutes. get outside and, uh, and, and make that call. But so that's it's such a good story.
0: That is, that is perfect. I, I actually absolutely, absolutely loved that story. All right, last thing I want to do. So you started going through some of the players and got my wheels turning. I've pulled up the uh, Atlanta Falcons depth chart All right. for last season on their defense on the phone, and we're just going to quickly go through and say better or worse for some different positions. So basically this depth chart is listed as a 3-4, so we'll look at the Jaguars' defense in a similar spot. Uh, you want to start on the D-line or Dude, in the, D- in the D-line. secondary? D-line. 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 All right, so their defensive line, Calais Campbell, David Anyamata, and Grady Jarrett. So Jarrett and Campbell were their ends with Anyamata as the nose. Upgrade or downgrade?
1: I'm going to say Falcons line is better.
0: Yeah. Grady Jarrett's probably a better player than any of the three that Jaguars have right now. Calais
1: is old, but, I mean, the guy's still productive as can be.
0: He's still productive. I'd say he's better than Foley right now. And then David Anyamata definitely had a better season than Devon Hamilton last year. So we're in agreement on that one. Agreement that, that, that he downgraded a little bit there. And that's one of the spots we've talked about yeah, repeatedly. Upgrading, got to. Jaguars have to find a way to get better got at it. Got uh, All right, linebackers. They had, I'm not even going to attempt this name, some, Agundaja. Uh, gun, uh, yeah. Okay. Common spelling. Yeah, good. of course. Uh, Nate Landman and Troy Anderson. Now, there were some injuries there, um, but Troy Anderson, Nate Landman, and Agundaja.
1: Well, he definitely an upgrade when you're talking about Foyer yes. has been as, as good and I mean, Jury's still out on Devin Lloyd and, and Chad Muma. Um, but again, you got Josh Allen there as well. Yes. Edge. So the um, yeah. Jags, Jags, significant upgrade for for uh, Ryan. There. Right,
0: and I left off Bud Dupree. Uh, that was the other linebacker. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Big yep. upgrade there because now he's walking yep. in with Trayvon, Josh, Foyer, and, and Devin Lloyd. Yep. Uh, I think he's in a much better spot at linebacker. Yep. So, one downgrade, one upgrade. So, the tiebreaker is going to be in the secondary. Now, here's the caveat is their secondary has – one player that made the all-pro list and was in the Pro Bowl, the Jaguars have none. So this is going to be a tough sell. So let's actually separate them so okay. we can at least— Corners and safeties. Corners okay. and safeties. So, um, all right. So their slot—or, are... no, they don't have a slot listed. So they had A.J. Terrell, Clark Phillips the third rookie that we talked about last year. Yep. Um, was he a rookie? I don't know. Clark Phillips the third. We talked about him at some point on this podcast. And Jeff Akuda. So that was their their three top corners there. They also had D. Alford, so he played some. So that was their secondary. So Jaguars, of course, had Tyson Campbell had a down year. Darius Williams, Uh, last year was Trey Herndon. Don't know how that's going to work out. AJ John or, or Antonio Johnson. Uh, finished the year at, at slot. So maybe we include him in that conversation. That
1: That's almost a wash to me, but I, I, I mean, Jeff Okuda the, is a cast off. I mean, he's, been hey, complete, hey, he's a free agent that complete, we're going to talk about yeah, here. Complete some disappointment um, in, in early in his career. So I would say Jags in that spot. I mean, all things considered, I mean, Tyson had a down year, Darius good year, Antonio promise as a, as a nickel kind of guy. Um, so I would say Jags by a nose in that situation.
0: I'd say the best player of the bunch there is AJ Terrell. Yeah. So I'd lean I'd actually lean Falcons. Oh, there. okay. I'd actually lean Falcons. Not by a large margin, uh, but I, I'm gonna lean Falcons on that one. Okay. So, so you
1: think AJ over AJ better than than Darius? Yes. AJ better than a than healthy Tyson? Yes.
0: Oh, okay. He, he's done it. Tyson, Tyson yeah. has had one year of, of healthy production. Elite AJ's been in the league longer yeah. and has done it for a, a more extended time. Uh, so give me AJ. I okay. think, that's no shot at Tyson. I think Tyson can get back healthy and fit in this system. Uh, but Yeah, that, veteran, it. I, I yeah. get that. So I, I lean there. All right, safeties. This is where this the is problem. Tough here. Uh, DeMarco Helms was their strong safety, and Jesse Bates third was the free safety. That's <laughs> that, the problem. That's a killer right that. there. Yes. So, uh, definitely, uh, Jesse Bates is the best player of the bunch, without, yep. without a doubt. Um, but he does have Rayshon, Antonio Johnson, wherever you'd like to slot him, and Andre Sisko. So, might be a downgrade it, there, too. It's
1: tough, in a sense, because, yeah, you got the extreme high of Bates, but you have the balance of the Jags. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I like the balance, and I like the depth of Jacksonville more than I like the Falcons' entire safety unit. But Jesse sure. Bates is... Uh, Best player on that defense, and he would be probably the second best player on Jacksonville's defense. Um, You add him in there behind Josh Allen.
0: So, here's the thing. So, while the Falcons, I think we're leaning Falcons at a few positions as far as, like, overall. We start listing the best players on all these defenses. Like, look, A.J. Terrell is probably the best player. in the A.J. Terrell and Jesse Bates would be the best players in the Falcons' secondary. We still feel pretty good about Tyson. Yeah, absolutely. I feel pretty good about Andre Sisco in this situation. Absolutely. And getting healthy. Um, I think he, he, and he, look, he's in a contract year. Yep. Guys show up in contract years. Money. Talks. Uh, and But at linebacker, Foyer is head and shoulders above yep. their entire bunch. Uh, I, again, we'll have a long discussion about Devin Lloyd at some point and some of the ups and downs of his career, but... I feel pretty good about him compared to some of the, the yeah, linebackers I that agree. they've had. And Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker. Like, the, the difference in the linebackers in these two is by far right. the biggest gap. Like, if the if the Falcons are maybe, at least for me, a 5 or a 6, the Jaguars are probably in that 7, 8-ish yep. range. Um, so the Jaguars linebacker group, much better. Here, the defensive line group. I don't think the gap's that big. No, I don't think so. So, so it's not it's not a big change in in some spots, but it's a significant change, I think. Um, But I do think overall that he should be looking at the Jaguars' defense, probably saying he's in a better spot than he was with that. And when you look at,
1: I mean, you look at. You say Josh and Trayvon will be back together, terrorizing teams. These guys had nearly 28 sacks together. Yeah. The Falcons had nowhere near that no. between two guys. Yeah, They um, were leaning on Rud Dupree, a, a rookie
0: yeah. from Ohio State. I, his name's escaping me right now, but I know he's from Ohio State. and um, wasn't a first-round pick. I think he might have been a second or a third. And uh, old man, Calais yeah. Campbell, who's a free agent again.
1: Yep. So I think player for player. I think it's an upgrade for Ryan Nielsen. Yeah. I think player to player, when you look at the at the fifty three, whatever the defensive breakdown is, when you when you look at the the twenty five to twenty five in terms mm-hmm. of defensive to defensive guys, I think Jacksonville is in a better position. And you know the the upgrades will. Enhance that. I think you're going to get strong on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to get an infusion of talent in the secondary, be it by releasing Rayshon, putting Antonio in there, drafting a corner maybe at 17. So I think you get better. There's more building blocks. I mean, there's far more that the Falcons have to do to build off that. I mean, is a year older. He's not back. Um, he's a free I mean, agent. Yes, yeah, so I it think they're better the, overall, at Jacksonville.
0: What's interesting too is I think some of the players that we listed through have a ch- chance at coming to Jacksonville. If I'm not mistaken, David Anyamata is a free agent too. Calais is a free agent. If Aniyamoda is a free agent, he'd be one that I'd keep an eye on. I got to double check that so don't don't quote me on that one, but if he is a free agent, he followed Allen from New Orleans to Atlanta. It would be interesting to see if he followed him from Atlanta mm-hmm. to here. But the one guy and you you kind of was trying or trying to like flush him, uh, Jeff Okuda. Look, they don't have. You can't spend money at every spot. Yeah, that's true. Jeff Acuda was a high draft pick. Uh, it was for the Jaguars. The conversation had been: Was it is it going to be Jeff Acuda or CJ Henderson? Jeff Acuda went earlier to the Lions. Jaguars took CJ Henderson. CJ didn't work yeah, out. Jeff Acuda didn't work out great either. Like but, saying, would you rather have pneumonia or the bad case? So but not not a good. But there's comparison. a but. Jeff had injuries. Yeah, he did. His problems were he couldn't stay on the field. He also couldn't stay on the field last year for Atlanta. But when he has been healthy over the past few seasons, he's he's starting to show that he can play. So he might be a bargain basement kind of guy that Ryan Nielsen could bring from Atlanta for not a whole lot of money, mm-hmm. and if he is healthy, could pay some dividends. Yeah, a one-year prove-it-deal yeah. kind of player because he is a free agent that could come to Jacksonville. If they're looking to move on from a Darius and say, all right, Jeff, we're going to put you here, but we're also going to draft a guy in maybe the second or third that is going to come in, push you for that spot. And if you don't show up, guess what? That guy's the starter next year anyway. So, yeah,
1: it it makes sense. And, you know, when a a Jeff Akutam, he could be a guy like a a DJ Hayden kind of guy who comes here, a veteran guy who's kind of. Had a checker. I mean, DJ was a was a high draft pick, one hundred percent top ten draft pick, and yep. he struggled with injuries big time. He almost died in college from a terrible injury to his chest. Yep. And um, rest in peace. He, he's no longer this now. But he he, he had an impact in Jacksonville when he was here. Yep. I mean, again, a veteran guy who didn't pan out his earlier stops, and he comes in, con, you know, contribute. Wasn't a star by any means in Jacksonville, but was a contributor. And I think in, in Okuda kind of follows that line where he could be that you know, a spot starter kind of guy. Um, I mean, you got guys like Patrick Peterson still playing and logging a 1,000 snaps in, uh, in the NFL. I mean, I mean he's McCut- no Patrick Peterson. No, he's no, he's no, but, I mean, he, but... He's a guy who's long in the tooth can come yeah. in and still give you pretty meaningful snaps
0: if he can stay healthy. Look, and with players like that that have had injuries, teams tend to go back to the college tape. Yeah, He's been in the NFL long enough that they're, he's getting towards the end of that college tape. But the potential was there and he's shown flashes of it in the league now. It wouldn't surprise me if he's a guy that the Jaguars said, Look, we're we're switching this scheme a little bit. You have some familiarity, one year contract, come here, show okay. what you can do. Let,
1: let me pose this Option. to you. So you know, ten million dollars, Darius. It was a five hundred thousand dollar dead money if they got rid of Darius, so not a lot. I thought it was sixteen. Is it ten? Yeah, I, I thought it was ten million. Okay. I thought he was a ten, $10 million dollar guy. Let's say ten. Uh, so, so Darius ten million dollars. All right. Let, I mean that's what he's gonna make ten million dollars this year. Sure. Uh, last year of his deal. If you could get Jeff Okuda at say four million, do you split that? Say Darius, you've been great for us. Here's your walking papers. You put Jeff Okuda kind of like the situation you just mentioned, and you get Jeff on out there at, at four four and a half million dollars. You draft a guy at seventeen. You do you make that switch right now?
0: Ooh yeah, make, make that, switch. Make that okay. switch. Okay, I'd make that switch. Darius right being
1: that you're betting you're betting there on Jeff. Kind of being a comparable, I mean, at worst, he probably slides inside to be a nickel guy.
0: I'm betting that Darius is on the wrong side of 30, that he has one year left on his contract, and that I probably wouldn't re-up him anyway. Okay. And that if I'm going to take a corner early in the draft, that guy's going to be my starter, so I definitely wouldn't re-up him because he's not a nickel. Mm -hmm. And if I'm drafting a corner in the first round, then he's a starter, and he's going to start on the outside. So Jeff Okuda comes in. If Jeff hits, great. He goes and gets paid somewhere. If he doesn't hit, he's a spot starter, and I slide that first round guy into the starting spot, and I just got to figure out nickel again. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I bet on I. I'd take that bet, okay. and then that's some extra money that I can throw around to, yep. to, to, towards the defensive line or the offensive line. Yeah, I'd do it. Okay, do it in interesting,
1: RPG. interesting. Because Darius was the best corner last year. He was For the team. He was. Best he was corner. the best
0: corner. Um, he also turned around and ran away from Trent Williams. And uh...
1: the, the thing that worries me about it in Akuda <laughs> is the fact that you've had injuries. That's been a hallmark of his career. 100%. Sure. And I mean, he, he's coming off a year where he wasn't exactly that shutdown kind of guy in Atlanta. He wasn't healthy for all 17 games. No. Um, so, I mean, to me, it's 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 six million dollar savings in this scenario. You're trading your best corner for a guy who may get you 10 games. So I don't know. That's it's. Well, interesting. the scenario interesting, yeah. you
0: threw out was um that we, the Jaguars were drafting a yep. cornerback in the first round. If that's my plan, then I'm not that concerned with it. if he me- get, as long as he can give if he could give if you told me right now like let's put a we'll even put a game cap right. on it. If you told me Jeff Okuda was healthy for seven games next season, Whew. and the Jaguars were drafting a first a corner in the first round, they're just in stone. The best corner on the board's coming to Jacksonville. Enough said. I'm still taking Jeff Okuda mm-hmm. because now I have a first round rookie who I'm just going to move into that spot, and then I just have to figure out nickel again. Okay, I, to, yeah, me, yeah. to me, it's it's simple. Jeff would be a spot filler. Mm-hmm. It's all right. I have a starter in house, so I don't have to pick corner. But in this scenario, you're telling me they are picking a corner in the first round, so I'm picking a corner anyway. So now I have this corner in house. I've made that decision. Early in the season, we'll play him in the slot. For sake of conversation, do you want to pick a corner? We can say uh, Kool-Aid Okay. We'll start the season with Kool-Aid in the slot. Jeff on the outside on one side, Tyson on the outside on the other side. Jeff goes down. Kool-Aid goes outside, and then you figure out, is it Greg Jr., Montari Brown, whatever. That guy becomes your nickel. Antonio Johnson, for sake of conversation, goes back to the nickel spot. Kool-Aid was going to be my outside guy next year, whether it was Darius, or Jeff. Yeah. Now he just gets some experience earlier. Really, I just want Jeff here, if that's the scenario, if that's the scenario, I'd want Jeff here just because that way I don't have to throw my rookie into the deep end week one.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. And I, I just, with with the injury history of Jeff and the up and down anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you, if you're you getting seven games out of him. You know, uh, that's a lot to ask. I, I would be more comfortable <laughs> – Keeping Darius, sure. and, you know, it, I don't know. With, with Tyson's struggles last year, yeah. um, with Darius being the guy, Darius had a great season for for, uh, for Jacksonville. So, um, he was a big interception guy, and you know, I, I think Tyson, I think whoever else is in there, I think Antonio has a better season if that defensive line gets better for sure. Um, and I don't know. I mean, do you go, do you go cornerback? Do you go – Offensive line in first round. That's, a, that's probably another podcast.
0: We're going to have a lot of talks about what the Jaguars should do, will do in the first round. I think the next one we have scheduled is talking about free agents, yep. some under-the-radar guys, and uh, some t- big-ticket free agents that we think would fit in Jacksonville to fill some of the holes. Uh, so we'll definitely have some more talks. Jeff Akuda was at least on my early plans to be one of my under the radar guys, but I'll I'll switch him out now since we've already had the Jeff Akuda conversation.
1: I just I man I'd be so hesitant putting him on the the outside there and saying hey this is our number one guy until our rookie seventeen. Well, Tyson's
0: your number one guy. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Darius was number one guy last year because Tyson was hurt. Tyson Tyson was, never got healthy last year. Tyson's had one good season and he has. He's had. Two very disappointing season. and I was high on Tyson. Man, he looked good in training camp. He looked good in training camp last year and parlayed that into a great second season in the NFL. Yep, third season just wasn't
0: just wasn't there. He was ne- Tyson was never healthy last year. It was a hamstring, and then if you you want to talk about how the leg works, so you you overcompensate for the hamstring. Mm-hmm. He hurt the quad, and the the two worked together in tandem. It never got right. So I'm I'm willing to give him a mulligan. Like it, it I'm willing to give him a mulligan on that one. I mean, but we can say similar things about Darius. that first year in Jacksonville was oh, yeah. bad until well, the very end. He was playing end. out of position. He was playing out of position playing too. He was it, it, it was bad until the very end and yeah. they moved him outside. Last season was good. Um I, again, I look, we'll we'll talk about whether or not Darius is stay we actually talk, have talked in depth about it. We're kind of on the fence. Look, they can stay and keep him and and save some money, rework the deal, ideally rework the deal, but if Ryan Nielsen comes in and says, "Look, he ain't the guy." All right, move
1: on. Move yeah. On. So we'll see. Yeah, it makes sense. We'll makes see. Sense. Good um, conversation.
0: Yeah, good conversation. So we'll, we'll have another one of these News for Jags podcasts back on our scheduled off-season sort of con- uh, content, but we want to stop for a minute and talk about Ryan Nielsen, the Jaguars' new defensive coordinator who is here in town. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're watching from, and hopefully we'll see you next time.